All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. afternoon everybody welcome back to another episode of dropping the gloves i stuttered there tim at the beginning but i appreciate everybody being here thank you very much for joining us it's september 13th the season's around the corner tim we were going to record yesterday but you uh, you were a little under the weather and so we waited a little bit so now we're here on a wednesday i know it's i know it's irregular everybody but we're trying to make the best of it tim are you feeling better I am feeling better. Thank you so much, everyone, for your patience and for your forgiveness. John, you most of all, I uh, really appreciate you working with me there and glad to be back. It was hard. What is what does a Tim Wurzberger do when he's sick to get be- to get better? I'm not very good at, at that. I just wait. I, I wait it out. Maybe take some aspirin or something, but I don't I don't do like the tea and the naps and the cough drops. I just I should, but I don't. You're just too much of a man. It's just a mental thing, you know, just overcome it and move on. That's it's that easy, right? A lot of sicknesses are mental. They really are. And I've learned that with kids. It's it's 80% mental. If you just ignore it, it honestly will go away. It goes for illnesses. It goes for injuries. It goes for a lot of things. If you just ignore it, it goes away. Just just don't be giving this is not true. There's no, there's no Are you kidding me? It's up. very much true. If my kid falls off the swing set and she's looking at me, if I validate it and rush over there and go, oh, are you okay, sweetie? Are you okay? She's gonna feed into that and start crying, and it's gonna make it way worse. Yes. On the other hand, listen, listen. On the other hand, if I see her fall. I realize it's not that bad. She landed on her shoulder or her leg or something. And I ignore it. And I just say, you're fine. Keep going. She dusts herself off and away she goes. That's how it is, Tim. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. That's that's different from, oh, if you, if you're sick, just ignore it. It'll go away. Like it's some disease that you can. No, it's obviously you can tell if it's like strep throat, it's like, okay, let me see your throat. Things are bad. If they come and they have a like a little runny nose and the sniffles, just ignore it. Don't feed into it. Oh, sweetie, let's get you some lemon tea and get you in bed and give you a show and get you a water bottle and tuck you in because they feed into it. They're attention animals and they it makes it worse, it makes it 10 times worse. So you, you just kind of let it play out. And if it gets worse, 
then you take it to the doctors, then you take it serious. So you and Danielle on the same page there? No. Well, yeah, for the most part, but I'm more of like hands off. Let's just let's just play out. So you'll learn one day when you have kids. Okay. And you know what else is crazy? I'll transition this to hockey. I was thinking about this a lot this week, and it's Wednesday, so I think it came up last week. I saw a rumor that Mark Andre Fleury is now on the trade block. Rightfully so. Minnesota Wild, they they Minnesota Wild, excuse me, they invested this summer and they decided we're gonna go long term and we're gonna re-up Philip Gustafson. So they gave him three years, three point seven five million dollars. Good. I, I think that's fine. He's a good young goaltender. He's 25 years old. Marc-Andre Fleury's 38. He's in the twilight of his career. But it just got me thinking, has there ever been a player that has been more disrespected than Marc-Andre Fleury of his caliber? Marc-Andre Fleury could go down, Tim, arguably as the greatest goaltender ever. Not of our generation. Uh, ever. He is third in wins all time right now, right behind Patrick Waugh. And Marty Berger, he will pass Patrick Waugh this year. He's 13 behind him, or seven behind him, excuse me. Marty Berger's at 691. He won't pass him, but Marty Berger played 80 games a year for 20 years. So he has that advantage. How disrespected has Marc Andre Fleury been in his career? He's been traded three times. Once he was traded right after he won the Vezna Trophy with the um, Vegas Golden Knights. He was traded from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Or sorry, he wasn't re-signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They just let him walk because they had Matt Murray. It's it's amazing that a goalie of his caliber is is not more valued. It for some reason it really irked me. He got overtaken by Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. He got overtaken by Robin Lanner in Vegas Golden Knights. The Chicago Blackhawks weren't a good team. Now he's getting overtaken by Philip Gustafson for the Minnesota Wild. And Tim, he could go down as the greatest goaltender of our all time. All time. Has this ever happened before when you when you think of the other goaltenders who were ahead of him? Marty Berger, Devils the whole the whole time. He was their guy, franchise guy. Patrick Waugh, Montreal Canadiens demanded a trade, went to Colorado. He was their guy. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was no goaltender issues. There was no controversies. Oh, who's going to be the starter? There was no bringing in another all-star like the Vegas Golden Knights did with Robin Lehner. There was nothing. There was no time where someone got hurt and the young guy played good and like, well, who are we going to play now? It was, this is Marty's net. This is Patty's net. Marc-Andre Fleury just gets beat down all the time and he does it with a smile on his face. If I was him, I would be absolutely livid with what's happened with my career. He should be on like the Mount Rushmore of goaltenders. But when you think of good goaltenders in the NHL throughout time, you think of Brodeur, you think of Waugh, you think of Hashik, you think of uh, Tony Esposito, Glenn Hall. You don't really think of a Marc-Andre Fleury. His name never comes up. And I think this is why, because he just just goes about his business. He doesn't complain. I'm complaining for him. I think it's ridiculous. He gets no respect. He's the Rodney Dangerfield of goaltenders in the NHL. No respect. No respect. I don't know. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Do you feel the same way as me? I know you don't aren't as passionate about this as I am, but I, I think it's it's remarkable that that this goaltender who puts up these numbers throughout his career the consistency that he's had throughout his career, always, always above um, 900 save percentage. Goals against average hovers around 2, 2.2 his whole career. He's never had a really bad year. But people still kick him to the curb like he's nothing. And I think it's just his mannerisms. He's just too happy. He's too good, go happy-go-lucky where people 
feel like they can just walk over him, maybe. I don't know. I really don't know, Tim. The only time he was in the news was when his agent was like, hey, this ain't good when they brought in Robin Lehner and he had the sword. Yeah. So I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm looking at his stats now. He's made the playoffs every single season, including um, Vegas and Minnesota, and obviously Pittsburgh. Well, Chicago. Like Chicago, he didn't, but he was traded. He was traded in Minnesota. Season. You're right. Absolutely right. So, so yeah, like he's just so good. You look at his contemporaries too, not just those greats, but like Lundquist and um, who's Carey Price, and even Ryan Miller, who was like on the back nine when he was moved. Like he was, he was elite all through his tenure with Buffalo. And none of those guys got even rumored to be moved like that. You know what I mean? Like it was like, we have our guy. Why do we ever think of not starting him, of of moving him or whatever? And I don't know what it is about. I mean, they. I guess they did win with, with Matt Murray, but you might've won more if you stuck with Fleury that whole time. So yeah, it's too bad, especially since he's such a cool and like well-liked guy. He's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. He has all his teammates, nothing but great things to say about him. So maybe there is something to be said about being a bad boy like Jordan Bennington. You know, you get a little respect, put a little respect on my name when you say it. Marc-Andre Fleury, he doesn't care. Cash that check, stop the puck, go about my business. I like it. I think it's great. I just, he needs someone in his corner, Tim. I feel like that could be me. Yeah. He's he's on the trading block. Maybe an agent or something could represent him and help him avoid these situations. Where would be a good landing spot for him? Because when you look at him, he's 38. He's not He's not a starter anymore. Let's be honest. He makes 3.5. He's on the last year of his contract. I think after this, he's going to ride off into the sunset. This could be his last year. Where is a good landing spot for him where, where he's going to come in, maybe mentor a young guy? Where do you think he, he looks good? This is off the cuff. It's not a prepared question, but New Jersey. New Jersey, figure out the Vanacek Schmid thing. But if he's overlooking... If he's backing up or giving mentoring Schmid or backing up Vanacek, I think that could be really good for them. Yeah, I agree. What about a team like the New York Rangers? You have Igor Shosturkin, who's a stud, but then they bring in Jonathan Quick, so they already have their veteran back up there. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. He will be moved. He's too good to sit around and play only 10 games a season. He needs to have a ride share like they did in Boston last year with Allmark and Swayman. So Buffalo, maybe? He would be a good spot. Buffalo's still searching for a goaltender. They're kicking the tires on Logan Thompson still and mm-hmm. um, the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, stay tuned there. I, I just, it really bothered me. And I don't get bothered by much. I just thought this was something that needed to be addressed. I don't think anybody really talks about it very much. The guy deserves a little more respect, Tim. And you need I agree. to give it to him. I agree. You know who else is just, is just having issues with respect is Mike Babcock. Nobody respects him. There's a report out. I'm sure everybody's heard about it. Tim said before we got it, he's like, we have to talk about this. Everyone is talking about this. I don't like dipping my toe in the the drama of what's going on, especially during training camp almost. The guys are in camp. But anyways, here we go. Reports are out that Mike Babcock is forcing this. This is per the spit and chicklets that he's forcing guys to show them the pictures on their phone. He goes into the office. He said, let me airdrop your pictures or airplay them. And then they project them onto the wall. Is Am I getting that right, Tim? I don't want to butcher this, but I think that's what spitting chicklets is, is alleging. Correct. That was the, that was the first story that broke in their video and that um, the players don't get any heads up of this. So they're just like, they go in, whatever put, photos are on their phone is what 
Babcock's Babcock looks through. Yeah. And then, so what was the comment from Boone Jenner and Mike Babcock? Well, so before that, so right away, like they post a clip along with the episode and within minutes, there's a report from Adam Portsline, who's like the beat writer for Columbus. He said that Blue Jackets are aware of the allegations and looking into them. No official response yet. And then Babcock and Jenner had been reached out to and hadn't commented. And there's another report that's from someone else that says he spoke to two officials, one that said it's being looked into, the other one called it, quote, total BS will clarify soon. So meanwhile, Biz and Witt are tweeting like, don't believe these reports. Here are more screenshots and texts from players um, that are anonymous, but Biz keeps saying it's 100% true. And so does uh, <clears throat> Mike Commodore chimes in saying this is 100% true. Of course he true. does. Yeah. There's blood um, in the water. Let's get some, let's get so, some media mentions. And then Wit Wit goes, he basically says, like, there's going to be a statement coming out of players jumping to defend Babcock. Just when this happens, don't believe it because they're going to be basically forced to do it. Just know that it's BS. And so finally, you know, a couple hours later, they release a joint statement from the Blue Jackets Twitter account from Mike Babcock. I won't read the whole thing, but basically saying there's nothing more to it. Um, the way that it was portrayed on Chicklets is a gross misrepresentation, extremely offensive. Um, irresponsible, inaccurate, et cetera. And Boone Jenner, the captain of the team, basically said, I showed him some pictures of my wife, my family, my wedding, thought it was a great first meeting. The way that it's being portrayed is definitely disappointing. So he's got to make a statement now. And Boone Jenner's not like a, he's a captain, but he's not a media guy. He's not like, he's not outspoken. He's not active on social media, nothing like that. So I'm sure he didn't want to have to say anything. And then right after that, Biz and Wit both doubled down again and stood by everything. And then it's hundred percent true. So that's kind of where we are right now. So can you read some of the screenshots of the evidence that Biz and Wid posted so we can get a, a wrap our heads around what kind of evidence that the players are reportedly sending Paul B. Sinet in real time? Because it, I think that's important to this this case, Tim, that we're investigating. So this is the first one he said, um, and he said, this is what kind, what kind of like broke the story. He said, this is a text from anonymous player you got to sneak into your pod about babs getting guys to show their photos on the big screen he's doing it to, to guys in columbus now the same as crap he did to me guys need to know that it's coming from that it's coming it's a joke and biz said what did he do what photos i don't understand and he said basically that with this with this text screenshot it's like this is what started off i called him and got the story um believe who you want to believe the truth is going to come out etc cetera, etc cetera. so that was the first one and then after that came out Another text came in. That story about iPhones and Babcock is 100% true. Apparently, he did it in Toronto and did it to guys in Columbus. Already says he wants to know what guys have been up to this summer. LOL. Love you guys exposing this. And other guys have come out basically saying it was not true. And they're like, yes, he does ask for pictures, but it's like harmless. And he just wants to know who you are. Doesn't show it. Doesn't take your phone. And that was Kadri and Tyson Barry. Both said that from their time in Toronto. So there's kind of a he said, she said, but they're so doubled down on this that it's hard to ignore. Well, I've heard all the evidence and I side with Babcock. I I think it's irresponsible. And it's difficult because I like Biz. Um, Ray is, I don't know him that well. But Ryan. Ryan. I, Ryan they're trying to stir up issues, right? I think that's what they thrive on over there. That's not really our speed. They like to F and Jeff and talk about this and that and, and you know, do that. That's that's not really what I enjoy. And why do it? I, I don't understand. I guess 
I don't know, but I don't think it's true. I think Mike Babcock would be smarter than that to go in and just demand people's phones. That's not how you make a good first impression. So it makes more sense to me that he's saying, hey, let's get to know each other. It is a super uncomfortable way to do it. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's very awkward. Let me see a picture of your family. Nobody does that. That's weird. But it makes more sense to me in my brain that someone could do that rather than say, hey, I'm the coach. Give me your phone. We're going to go through your pictures to see what you've been up to. That doesn't that doesn't seem like a normal thing that would happen. So it's more plausible that they're just trying to get to know each other. Mike Babcock's just saying, hey, here's my wife. Take a look at her. Let me see your wife. Nice. Like, it's still super weird. Like, it's just it's so it's just a dumb situation. It's just distracting from everything that should be talked about. Johnny Gaudreau, Adam Fantilli, Patrick Laine. Is this team going to work? Mike Babcock's the coach. It's just a distraction. I don't like it. I think Biz and Witch shut their mouths and go about their business. And it's, I don't think it's true. So whatever it's, it's the gossip pages leaking into hockey. And is that what we're doing here? Is that what we're talking about now? I guess so. Don't you believe that they think it's true though? Biz and wit? No, I, I, I even, well, I, I think the guy who texted him that stuff, that evidence just hates Babcock. And he, and maybe he wants to Commodore, the first one. Oh, really? The evidence? People think it's Commodore. There's a couple people, and and this is me getting into the gossip pages, and I don't want to because I don't want to start a beef. There's a couple people who I would definitely not believe, and he's one of them. He, He just loves him some. He wants to be there. You know what I mean? He wants to be, and he hates Babcock. It's well reported how much he dislikes him. Coming from the horse's mouth. He says it all the time. So, But couldn't he hate Babcock because he's done all those things? But there's a way to spin something and to, to, to show it in the negative light and say, oh, he's, he's forcing me to show pictures on my phone. Is he? Or is he asking to see some pictures of your family and to try to grow a rapport and, and to get to know the players and to build that trust and that bond? I've never had that. I've I've played for many coaches. No one's ever asked me to do that. So I I do think it's weird. I'll say it again. But it's just Babcock style, maybe. And if he's having other play, Kadri and Babcock, I don't think got along well. And he's coming to his defense and Tyson Berry and this and that. So I just think they're making a mountain out of a molehill and they're trying to make a story where there's no story. I, don't know. I just think it should go away. And I think Biz knows how media works he knows how social media works and this is good for his brand and he can get clicks on it and it just drives their podcast not that they need it they're like the juggernauts but it's like jeff i don't know i didn't even want to talk about it so i i don't think it's true i'm on team colorado or columbus i'm on team babcock and boone jenner let's move on i don't think there's anything else here i think it'll go away there we go. Is there anything else that we're missing here, Tim, during this drama? No, let's move on. And we'll, I mean, we'll see if anything else comes out. But yeah, for now, let's let's move on. Well, there, here's the thing. Other stuff will come out and it'll be Baz, Biz and Wit driving it. I don't think Columbus will say another word. I think those two guys will talk about it for the next week until they just sucked every ounce of blood out of this and squeezed it for what it's worth. And then they'll move on. By the way, I... 
All right, let's move on. Yeah. Okay. You want to yeah, move on? Well, I don't want to get, I don't want to, yeah, let's move on. So, well, what are we doing now, Tim? Let's do, uh, start doing some team or division previews. We'll start with the Atlantic division, which we'll I lead these because the season's only a few weeks away now. It's less than a month. And so I figured we'd start with the Atlantic, make our way across the map here. And I'm going to go ahead and just start and just the elephant in the room in this division is the Boston Bruins. You you can't talk very long about the questions surrounding this division without really starting with them. And the ultimate question for me is how big of a step backward is Boston going to take? Because we know that's coming. Is it going to be catastrophic? Is it going to be major? Is it going to be just a little bit? That's the number one question because you lose Bergeron and Krejci, your top six centers, your offensive drivers. You lose Orlov, who was a deadline pickup, but a great part of their back end. You lose Bertuzzi, you lose Felino, you lose Hathaway, you lose Hall. That's about half your roster. And those are like, that's like the top to middle half of your roster. Um, the thing with Boston, though, is that they were so good last year just so record-breakingly good that they could take a major step back and win like 15 fewer games and still be a very, very good team just because of of how ridiculous last year was. So I, I think it's less, I think it's less about how much worse it was than last year versus, I don't know. I, I still think they're going to be competitive, but what, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I think the Atlantic has the most storylines out of any division in hockey. I think Boston obviously has an interesting one just because they will have a dramatic regression this year. 135 last year, points, 65 wins. They had a charmed season. You know, the, at home, they were 34, 4, and 3. That's incredible. That'll that'll not be duplicated. I think they have a good team. It won't be as good as last year. Where they'll, where they'll sit, we'll, we'll kind of let that cat out of the bag at the end of this segment. I don't want to say where, where I'm going to put them, but I feel like in this division, the Bruins are an interesting storyline. The Toronto Maple Leafs are always fascinating. The, the people they brought in this offseason, they always do well. And they brought in some pretty high-end guns this season to kind of boost their last chance. And, and you'll touch that on touch on that in a second. The Tampa Bay Lightning, can they get back to the winning ways like they were two years ago when they went to three straight Stanley Cup finals? Last year wasn't a great season for them. Florida Panthers, can they duplicate what happened last year? So I, I don't think the Bruins are the storyline. As crazy as that sounds, winning the President's Trophy, being the best team in NHL history, I just think it was a it was a foregone conclusion. They're going to lose a bunch of people. It's a salary cap era. They went all in, and they lost a lot. I think the question marks, like you said, were Krejci and Bergeron. Now that those are answered, it's like here we go. They still have, they still have a good team, Tim. I know I dog on them a lot. I think the strength this year is going to be on the back end. They have an elite defense with Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, and Carlo. You can put up those four against anybody in the league, and they'll do fine. And then their goaltending situation is top-notch as well. You have Omar, who won the Vesna. You have Swayman, who's coming in as the heir apparent, who could step in as a 1A. No problem on any team in the NHL. So they're going to rely on their defensive game. They're going to try to eke out 3-1 eh, wins, 3-2 wins. I think gone are the days when they're going to run and gun like last year when I was like, yeah, we'll put eight on the board. No problem. We have three first lines, pretty much. Like, we have a, a stacked lineup. So uh, I don't think... The Bruins, though, are the storyline in this division. I think there's other teams that will be making noise. I think it's going to be the Detroit Red Wings. I think it's the Buffalo Sabres. I think it's the Ottawa Senators. I think those three teams are where the havoc is going to be created. So I, as much as you want the Bruins to be the story. They are the story still. They're not the story this year in this division. 
they'll be forgotten by January. I'll say that. It'll be interesting the first month. Like, oh, well, you know, at this point last year, they had won 10 in a row. And they're three and seven. So it'll be tough sledding for the Bruins, but I don't think they're the storyline because people, people are ready for it. Last year was charmed. No injuries. Nothing went wrong. Everything went right until the playoffs. But moving on, let's talk about another team in this division, Tim. The Toronto Maple Leafs. What's going on with them this year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of the same, obviously, you know, disappointing last year, but they did they did win a playoff series and you got Matthew Syme, which is a big question that was lingering to me. The, the thing that makes this a little bit different is that it's the first time and why it's different from from prior years. It's the first time they're entering a season where one of their core guys, as far as I can remember, their contract is expiring. So Willie Nealander's contract is up at the end of the year, obviously. They're, they're at a decision point for him. So this feels like really the first time where regardless of what they do and how well they do, it's probably the last year that he's on the team. Um, As opposed to last year, the year before that, the year before that, I was always like, if they lose, they've got to trade someone to mix it up. This time, if they lose, they have no choice. Someone's someone's leaving. And so this is why it feels like the pressure has increased just a little bit, but it might still be offset just by the fact that Matthews has voted in confidence in favor of the team by re-signing, and they finally won a playoff series last year. Yeah, this will be the last year of the big four. You know, they, they've been together now for what, six years? Something like that. It's yeah. been a long time that they've been together and Willie Nylander will not be back. There's already rumors all over the place. There's always rumors about this guy that he's going to be traded, this and that. But he cannot come back next year unless they get rid of Tavares, unless they get get rid of Marner, which they won't get rid of Marner. And I don't think anybody takes on Tavares' $11 million contract. So this is it. This is the last go around for these four. I think the interesting thing about this team is what happens at the deadline that is what i'm waiting for they will be first place all season long this team is a juggernaut they went out and got arguably the best forward free agent tyler bertuzzi they got one of the sought after ones in max domi they got arguably the best defenseman free agent in john klingberg they have a great team tim they have an all-star team all across their lineup they get one of the toughest guys in in the league and ryan reese friend of the show they have samson off they found a way to re-sign him they put matt murray on ir so he's gone they got muzzin on ir they get rid of all that money they have a fantastic team again i said it last year they will be the team to beat arguably in the atlantic division with the boston bruins taking multiple steps back we'll see what happens at the deadline i think that's the question what do they do with nylander do you trade him? Do you keep him? Do you just just win a cup, hopefully, and then let him go walk off into the sunset and get nothing for him? I think that is the storyline for this team moving forward because they will win. I think everybody knows that. So it, it'll just be interesting what happens with the big Willie Nylander come the deadline. I said it three times. There you go. Moving on. Ottawa Senators. We had a friend of the show, Brady Kachuk, jump on. He said, this is the year. They just signed Jake Sanderson, an unknown defenseman, to a huge deal. They have all their core intact. Is this the year that they take the big leap forward? They've been slowly but surely climbing the standings the last five years. Itty-bitty bits, Tim. Not this substantial leap that we've all expected. We thought they would go from sixth place to second place. It didn't happen. They've slowly gone from eighth to seventh to sixth to fifth. Is this the year that they make that jump and make the playoffs? I don't know. What do you think of the Senators this year, Tim? Yeah, I think it's I think they're being slept on a little bit. I think I think they're very underrated because you're getting back Josh Norris, who missed most of last year. You're getting Chitrin, who's got time. He came in midseason. It takes time to adjust. You add Tarasenko, you lose to Brinkett, but I feel like Tarasenko's a solid step up there. 
I, you have to think they're going to take a leap at some point. And if it's not this year, then I don't know when. To me, it's it's them in Buffalo, which we'll talk about next, kind of going hand in hand. Like, which of these teams is going to take that major step forward and which of these teams is going to be disappointing once again? Yeah, I think this is the year for the Senators. It's like, who are we? And I said it last year. They've They've reached their ceiling. I feel like all those young guys have played as good as they will ever play in the last few years. Kachuk has been playing fantastic the last few years. Stutzel had 40-some goals last year. I think the addition of Josh Norris helps this year. Chitrin will help to, head off, to, to get a full season out of him, but what are we going to see? I, I really don't know. I think the big key now, you bring in Jonas Corposalo, you sign him to a long-term deal. He will solidify the back end. They brought in Matt Murray. He didn't work. They brought in Darcy Kemper. He didn't work. They've been trying to figure out that goaltending situation. I think he will be a huge cog on this team, but... This is it. I, th- I think it's now or never. You you have these young guys locked up. They're in their prime. Maybe you give them another year. I don't know. But Claude Giroux ain't getting any younger. He's 35, and he had a great year last year. So I expect Ottawa to really, really, really excel this year. They are one of my teams that's going to make some noise. I think they will be in the mix come playoff time. Definitely. Definitely in the mix for maybe the first seed overall in the Atlantic Division. I like this team. And it's not because I'm being a homer because Brady Kachuk was on the show. I think they have all the ingredients that you need for a champion. And the thing that sets them apart from Toronto is they have a little bit of that personality that I want come playoff time. They have that Brady Kachuk. They have that Claude Lemieux. They have that Vladimir Tarasenko. Those three guys have that it factor come playoff time where they don't power in the big moments, in my opinion. Whereas when you get to Toronto, it's like playoffs come. There's the big moments. Where are the big guys? Where's Tavares? Where's Matthews? Where, oh, where is Mitch Marner? So, and the one guy that actually shows up, Nylander, is going to be gone next year. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overselling him, Tim. The hockey world needs to see Brady Kachuk in the playoffs. Like, it's just watching him is just be unbelievable. Is, is it is a first-round playoff exit enough that you would call this season a success for them? No. No, and that's sad because this Eastern Conference is loaded. I think they have to win a, they have to win a round. You don't think making a playoffs is 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 good enough for these guys for the heavy? No. Okay, Tim. They spend to the cap. They have all their guys locked up. They have high draft picks on their team. They have superstars on this team. <laughs> well, maybe not superstars. That's that's a stretch. I think stars. They have a star laden lineup. They have to produce. They they spend to the cap. When you spend to the cap, you have to produce. So, I think at least one round win is the minimum for this team this year. On the other side of the coin, the Buffalo Sabres, they are another interesting team. They didn't really go out and make a big splash. They didn't get the Tarasenko's. They didn't get all those big guys like the Toronto Maple Leafs got. They are just, I guess, banking on the fact that the Sabres made a good run last year. They were playing meaningful games down the stretch, what they haven't done. And those guys will grow on that. Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestead, the young studs in the back end, Darlene Power. You're going to give them more room to grow and they're going to improve. That's what they're banking on. Did they do enough between the pipes? I don't think they did. They didn't do anything. They have Devin Levi. That's who they're bringing in for their starter game one. He played kind of good, Tim, down the stretch. He had flashes. Is he your guy? I think that's a big question here. But I think this team is the team, if they make the playoffs, it's a successful season for them. Don't you think? Yeah, I have a hard time separating these two teams because I feel like they, their their trajectories are just so linked. 
Um, but it's a big season for the for the Sabres, too. You need to show a major step forward. You also have, I mean, not that they're worried about it necessarily, but Darlene's got an expiring contract, along with a lot of the other guys. And the other thing that was a little bit questionable, at least to me, was bringing back Ocposo and giving him the C again. When you've got this young group coming up, and I, I don't know why they wouldn't give it to a Tuck or Darlene or Tage Thompson or whatever, um, do you feel like Tage Thompson now, maybe it's a silly question, do you expect him to be a... 40 plus 90 point player from now on. Is that, is that his new bar? Yep. I think that's his floor. I think he has to be in the mix for winning the rocket Richard trophy every single year. I think you put him for 40 goals, 80, 90 points. That's, that's where he should live because he, he has set that bar last year. What did he get? He got uh 47 goals, 47 assists. I think that's where he lives now. He is that guy. He should have a C on his chest. I think the Sabres made a mistake bringing back Kyle Poso. You need to transition this team and just focus on the young stars. Let them be the leaders in that locker room. I think it takes away from them when they have to take a, a back seat to a Kyle Poso. And Kyle is great. Don't get me wrong. I, th- I think he's had a great career. He's well-respected. He's still very valuable. But in the locker room, the way the dynamics work... He's still the voice in that locker room. I think you need these kids to take over this team. You need Tage Thompson to have a C. You need Dylan Cousins to have an A. You need Darlene to have an A. This is your team. Why Why wait and prolong that? I just don't understand. Maybe they think they're protecting them for one more year, give them a little veteran leadership. There has to be a point where you just rip the bandaid off and say, this is your team. Go. Let's see what we have. Because right now, it's not their team yet. This is this is Kyle Poso's team. This is Zemgis Gergensen's team. You got to let the young guys go. You're giving him 25 minutes a night, ice time. Put a C on his chest for Pete's sake. Let him be the leader of this team. So I think Buffalo, though, at the end of the day, get into the playoffs. That's all we need from you. Let's see how you do. That'll be a successful season. Just it's It's been how many years since they made the playoffs, Tim? 11 years, I think. It's been so long since the Sabres have had any post, postseason success at all. What are you laughing at? I, I'm I'm trying to guess. I, I don't. Like oh six oh seven, like it's been has it not been more that long? That? They were they were competitive like two thousand twelve thirteen. They had good teams, mm, okay. But I, I think it's been twelve years. Maybe two thousand twelve was the last time. So I know they they need to take a step forward this year. All right, let's let's move down south to the Florida teams. Obviously, they went different directions last year. Tampa Bay regressed florida surprised everybody they went from being the president's trophy winner squeaking into the playoffs making it to the stanley cup championships so what can we expect tim from these two florida teams well let's start with the panthers this this is a really hard team i feel like i don't really no one really knows who this team is are they the team that we saw in the playoffs that just surprised everyone and dominated physically and showed speed and had montour playing like a Norris caliber defenseman and you had all these Bobrovsky doing his thing and Kachuk being arguably the best player in the world. Are they, are they those players? Are they those guys? Or are they the team that we saw most of the year? Cause before that whole incident, when we keep Chuck said something and then they turned their season around, they were pretty bad and they were losing to bad teams. And so which team are they really? Cause there's, I think there's some recency bias there for Florida where you remember what they did most recently, but it was a very small, like six, seven weeks like it wasn't a whole lot of time where they were playing at that high level so to answer your question i don't know this is probably the team i think is probably the most the most unknown surrounding them this coming year yeah i think they have a big regression i think last year was a flash in the pan you have to remember they got lucky even getting into the playoffs 
if Chicago doesn't beat Pittsburgh, if Pittsburgh doesn't lose to Columbus, I believe, they needed some help and they got every single 50-50 coin flip to go their way where they needed the team to lose and that team lost and they get into the playoffs as the last seed, the wild card too. So I, I think they regress. I think the start of the season, we talked about it. Montour's out for a while. Aaron Eckblad's out for a while. This team is not going to be good. I think Matt, Matthew Kuchuk dragged them to a playoff appearance last year and then dragged them through the whole playoffs. I don't think he is going to be able to be that effective the whole season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he puts up 125, 120. I still don't think that's enough. When you look at their roster, I don't think they're deep enough. They lose Anthony Duclair. They bring in Evan Rodriguez on the left side to play first line with Barkov and Reinhardt. Is that a first line that scares you? Rodriguez, Barkov, and Reinhardt? You got Verhage, Bennett, Kachuk. It's a pretty serviceable second line. But for a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals, I don't know. I don't like what I see. Yeah, you look at their there's there's secondary stars in that playoff run. Like, is Carter Verhage that guy that we saw? Is Ryan Lomberg that guy? Like, they were really, really effective in their roles. Sam Bennett, but it's just I don't know. It's a lot of question marks. I think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna regress as much as you do. Um, I think they're probably still a playoff team, but I we'll see. Yeah, we will see. I really just don't trust them. Let's move on to the other team in Florida, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously. A season to be forgotten last year. They didn't do anything. I think it was just everybody needed to catch their breasts. They they lose in the first round, first round in six games. Nobody really pushed back that much. It, it was a forgotten season for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have an extended summer to kind of lick their wounds, regroup, get motivated again. Do you see them getting back to a point where they were a few years ago where they were just feared? Everywhere they went, they dominated. Everybody was scared to match up with them. The Toronto Maple Leafs were terrified of them. Is that what we come to expect for the Tampa Bay Lightning this year? Or or do we do we think they're going to progress and be that third seed wild card trying to get into the playoffs, trying to get maybe home ice advantage with the second seed? I don't know. Where do you see this Tampa Bay Lightning team, Tim, this year? I honestly feel like Tampa Bay is being slept on as still one of the elite powerhouse teams in the in the league. I still think they're at that level. And I think that some regression temporarily was um, inevitable, just given all the hockey, all the playoff hockey they played over the last few years. You can't keep that up forever. But I don't think, like, I still think this could be a dynasty. And and I feel like they're still that good. And so I I feel, I mean, I, I haven't finished first or second probably in, the, in this division. I still think they're going to be in the final four. Like, I think they're very good. And I think of almost last year, not as a step backward, but like, an inhale before you lunge forward again, just like a little bit of it, just like a, and now we're, now we're off. And so, yeah, I think, I think this team is good. You look at their core, everyone's still locked up. Like they, they lose pieces every year, just like Chicago used to do. And they win a championship and lose like all their, their um, secondary scorers and stuff. And they bring up the next guy up and, but Sergachev's still there. Hedman's still there. Kuchera point Stamkos, Vasilevsky, those guys aren't going anywhere. So I feel like, yeah, I think they're going to be elite again. Uh, elite. Yeah, I agree. But I, I do think you are seeing the beginning of the end for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't think they can extend this into a dynasty where they win two of the next four. I think if if they get one, that's that's a good run for this group. I feel like the end is near. Vasilevsky is the busy, biggest reason for that. In the playoffs, he looked very human. He was downright bad in those playoffs versus uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. His save percentage was at 875, I think. His goals against was approaching four. It was not a good look for a guy who usually in the playoffs is just lights out. 
you can lock him in for a 940 percentage goals against under two. So it, it, it was, it left me wondering, is he tired? Is he mentally done? So maybe this break will do him good, but I think this season is going to really come down to him. Is he the goalie that, you know, was the all-star goalie, the Andre Vasilevsky, the guy who we know, you know, game seven, plug him in for a shutout and a win. Or has he lost that? I don't know. They have the horses. They are good. They are aging. But I, I do agree with you where they still are dangerous. When you could have Kucherov and Point and Sorelli, and I like the addition of Tanner Janot and Steven Stamkos, I think that's that's a good start. And you have great defensemen on the back end. Sergeyev and Hedman are the best one-two in the league. Like they're, they're star defensemen, Tim. So I think it comes down to the goaltending on that team. And they do need him to be good. I think if Vasilevsky's average, they don't go anywhere. But if he's very good, they're a dangerous team. So they don't have any draft picks. They traded all the first rounders away when they give they got Hagel a few years back. So this needs to be an all-in season for them again because they will slowly progress into the Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals of of the season, which we see now, which are just they're just hanging on by a threat. Washington's already gone, and Pittsburgh is just trying, trying desperately to win with Crosby and Malkin and Latang. So I think Tampa's got two or three years of of high level hockey yeah, before they get to that point. I agree. Two or three. That's it. And then they're done. These guys are signed Tim for a long time. When you look at their team, they have a lot of long term contracts with Sergachev, with Chernak, with Kucherov, with Point, with Sorelli, with Paul, with Hagel. Like the, all these guys have eight, seven years left on their term. So I think two or three years, then they're going to regress mightily, mightily, mightily. All right. A team that hopes to improve this season, the Detroit Red Wings. They plucked Alex Dabrinkit from the Ottawa Senators, who wasn't happy there. He gets to Detroit, seems to be happy. That's where he's from, hometown boy. Maybe make right. They get Petrie from Montreal, kind of stole him from the Canadians. Montreal didn't want anything to do with Petrie. They get him. Are the Wings going to improve, Tim? Were we just really overselling the Detroit Red Wings and Steve Eiserman a couple of years ago when he gets Mo Sider, when he gets Lucas Raymond, and he gets all the salary cap off the books? We thought great things were going to happen. Not really. What, what, do you, what do you have in store for the Detroit Red Wings here, Tim? Honestly, my expectations aren't very high for them. What I'm hoping is just to see something. We need to see the the Eiser the plan, as it's called, start to show some fruition and results. And that can mean a lot of different things. I don't think it means a step forward into a playoff spot. I'd love to see them be more competitive down the stretch and, and fighting for a wild card. I think that's probably a good place for them to land. And then you're seeing individual step forwards um, from from the Brinkett, if he's getting back to 30, 35 plus. Can Larkin be a point per game guy? Can can Raymond and Sider kind of step up to what they did their rookie year and beyond it? I feel like those are kind of what they're just to believe that there's some kind of uh, I don't know, movement happening toward being a playoff contender because it feels like this is taking a little bit too long and they're not really showing a ton of progress here. Yeah, I feel like the Yeiser plan has failed. Um, Two years ago, I was so excited for this team, where they were heading. I wanted them to be successful. I live in Michigan, Traverse City, so everybody's all in on the Red Wings. They do their rookie camp here. They do their main camp here. It's not going to happen with this group. So he went all in. His big four forwards... Larkin, Dabrinkit, Kopp, and Comfer. That's it. Those are his big four. How does that match up versus everybody else in the East? It comes way, way, way short. On the back end, in the NHL now, modern-day NHL, 
We like fleet-footed defensemen who can get up in the play, make a good first pass, be an option on the rush, be dangerous in the offensive zone where you're just cycling five guys. Gone are the days when you have a three-person cycle and D stay high. The D-man has to jump in the zone. Create confusion in the offensive zone. That's how you score goals. That's how you create offense these days. Defensive systems are too strong. You know, you scout, you know how the other team's plays. How do you think you break that down? You add the defense in the rush. You get them going. Is Ben Chirac going to do that? Is Justin Hall going to do that? Is Jeff Petrie going to do that? He brings on three defensemen who are slow, plodding, hard-hitting, old-school defensemen. Why? I don't understand this. It does. It makes. It goes against everything that we know about hockey these days, Tim. Everything. And the Eyes are playing is completely missing the mark here. I, I just don't get it. You have, you have maybe two two puck-moving defensemen on this team, if, if you give Mo, Mo Sider a puck-moving defenseman, which he is, but he's also six foot six, and he's not going to be the first guy down the ice in a race. So it, it's Shane Gossespierre. That's it. Uh, Wallman. I would give Wallman that move, too. Jake he's, Wallman. He's a great skater. I yeah. think he's going to be... He's 27, though. I was thinking... He's 27 he was years old. His yeah. points high in a season is 18. Yeah. So really... That's who you're nervous about. That's that's who you're gonna, you know, give all the keys to. A guy who flunked out of St. Louis and you bring him into Detroit and he put nine goals last year, nine assists. I don't think so. I think he really has just butchered this back end. So uh, I think I think it's a big F so far. For the amount of assets that he had, for the amount of money that he had, he brings in cop comfort. Trades for Debrinket, lets Bertuzzi walk, lets Mantha walk, does nothing on the back end. He might as well just kept Louis um, or the Erickson guy, Jonathan Erickson. It's just, it's it's criminal what he's done. He's traded for Ben Sherrod. He brings in Jeff Petrie. Justin Hall, you sign him for three years at 3.4. Oh my goodness. He's 31. Ben Sherrod's 32. Petrie's 35. You want young, fleet footed defensemen. I guarantee you there was three young guys at a college who were way better than those three. And you pay him league minimum. And you let him get some experience. This team is not going to compete. I'm so upset at what he what he's done to this team. So upset. And now you're going to re-up Lucas Raymond this year. You're going to pay through the nose because you haven't done it yet. So he's going to want $8 million. And so your big five is going to be Larkin, Debrinket, Raymond, JT Comfer, and somebody else I'm forgetting right now. Mo Sider. No, the uh, up front, it's going to be the other guy, uh, Larkin. It's, it's it, does that strike fear in another team? It doesn't. I, I really am upset with how Iserman's botched this. I really, really am upset. So they will be forgotten by be- beginning of November. Give them 15 games, then they'll be done. They'll already be thinking about next year. It'll be the trade deadline. Who are we going to sell? What's our position going to be? Can we get some value for these young guys? Do we re-sign this? What do we do with Perron? Can we get out from underneath JT Conference contract who we just signed and we want to get rid of it already? Can we trade Andrew Kopp because we don't want him anymore? Debrinket's got 20 goals. And when the season's over, you think he's going to get 40 goals this year, Tim? I think he's he'll get 30. I think he'll get 30. Yeah, I agree. I think he gets 30. He's not getting 40. That'll be their that'll be their line. Larkin, Raymond, Debrinka. It'll be a good first line. Last people question think, on these guys. Pe- people think Patrick Kane's gonna sign there. You nuts. Last question on these guys. Most siders entering his contract season uh last year of his ELC. What's his number, do you think? Nine. 
Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. I think nine for eight. So give him 72 million. I think that's where he's going to land right now. <laughs> Must be nice. All right, one more team in this division we haven't touched on at all is Montreal Canadiens. I almost skipped over them. There's not a whole much. There's not a whole lot that I'm excited about. I don't think they're going to be competitive. I think going back to Detroit a little bit, I what I'm looking for is like individual breakout season. I want to see Suzuki with 90 points. I want to see Caulfield with 40 goals. Like I want to see some of those guys take a step forward. I don't I don't believe in this team though. I don't really know what else to say beyond that. What do you well, think? Well, because they're bad. Yeah, they have a lot of big contracts with not a lot of output. When you look at Gallagher, when you look at Josh Anderson, when you look at even Kirby Doc, Dvorak, Joel Armia, all these guys make over $3 million, $4 million, $5 million, $6 million. It's, it's just incredible the amount of money that these guys make. So I don't know. Much much like the Detroit, Detroit Red Wings, their defense is bad. Their, their forwards are just kind of all the same. They're all maybe third, second line guys. That first line's good, though. Suzuki, uh, Caulfield, and uh, throw Kirby Doc on there. Maybe that's a good first line. Other than that, it's just very forgettable. Get out of Brendan Gallagher's contract. I think that'll be the big thing for this season. Can they move him? He still has Tim three years after this season. It's an ugly deal. That's 6.5. So they will be, will they be at the bottom? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with them. But yes. Let me ask you this. Um, Speaking of Brendan Gallagher, there was an NHL tweeted out the other day. How would you rank these four players? It was Tyler Bertuzzi, Brendan Gallagher, Killorn, and Tom Wilson. I want to hear yours before I share. Why is Gallagher even on that list? I know. I know. But that's 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 a slight. If I'm Gallagher, I'm pissed off. I'm like, why are you even putting me in this mix with these good players? Like I had 14 points last year. I had 24 the year before. I am on the back three of my career. Like I shouldn't be in the NHL. If if you look at the numbers and what I'm supposed to do and what I'm being paid, the only reason I'm here is because I make six five, and you're not going to send it down to the minors, right? So it, it's just it's he's obviously last him, yeah. So he's last. I think Kalorn comes third. I think Wilson comes second, and I think Bertuzzi comes first. Those that's my rankings. I, I could switch Wilson and Bertuzzi. I think they bring a lot to the table that Kalorn doesn't really do with the uh, physical side of things. Bertuzzi's <laughs> younger. Wilson's been there, done that. He's more physically imposing than Bertuzzi, but I think I think I like Bertuzzi's offensive upside better. There you go. Does Ovechkin score 40 this year, Tim? Yeah. You're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Yes, right. yes, yes. We'll get to them in a little bit. I don't know why I brought it up. Let's let's do our Atlantic Division final standing predictions. I think we can both agree Toronto's going to win. I agree. Who do you got coming second, Tim? I got Tampa second. Me too. And no way. Yeah. Um, this is where it starts to get tricky for me. I think it's going to be Florida. I still think they're one of one of the better teams in this division. And then I think Boston gets leapfrogged by one of Ottawa or Buffalo. I went back and forth on this. It could be either one. There's not a slide on Ottawa, but I chose Buffalo. So Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Boston, Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal is my list. Okay. All right. We we have the first two, the same Toronto, Tampa Bay. I think they are the, you know, the two bars there they're a very good team i i get a little different on my third pick i think ottawa will make leaps and bounds this year i think i said it earlier i like the way that they're made up they have jake sanderson norris trophy winner this year he's going to be fantastic brady kachuk i like the tarasenko edition i think they're going to be a third i think buffalo is going to slide into that fourth spot i really do tage thompson jeff skinner has played well in buffalo i like the buffalo sabers they need to do something between the pipes. I don't think Devin Levi is the answer, 
even short-term or long-term. I don't know. So they need to bring in a veteran guy to just be there just in case he falters a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can play well and they don't need to, but they got to bring bring in somebody else there. But I have Buffalo finishing fourth, which means Boston's fifth. I have them sliding all the way to fifth. Maybe they squeak in with the wild card. We'll see how the other division in the East pans out. But yeah, Boston's going to be fifth, Florida sixth. I really... I think they're going to regress in a big way. And then I got Detroit, Montreal to kind of round out the bottom two. Those two will be the weak seeds in this division. I think everybody can see that they were the weak seeds last year. They didn't do anything to improve. They're bad teams. They really are, which is sad. Original six teams and they're just wallowing in last place. And they, they have no signs of improving Montreal's kind of in this cap hell where they have a, a bunch of okay players, but they're signed to a lot of money and Detroit just can't sign good players for whatever reason. And the people they trade for just are bad. <laughs> I just don't get it. I think it's interesting that our first two teams and our bottom two teams are exactly the same. It's those four in the middle. And that makes sense. We've been talking about that for weeks. That's the wild card right there. It's those four teams and how are they going to compete for the wild card spot? So I think that's interesting. I'd love to hear. We'll, we'll tweet this out. I want to hear what the fans have to say too and how their rankings are different. Yeah, let's do a couple quick hits. Friends of the show, Andrew Ladd retires. Good for him. Had a good career. Um, Thomas Tatar signs with the Avs. He's like a six-time 20-goal scorer. I think that's a good addition for the Colorado Avalanche. They, they like those guys. It'll be good there. Quinn Hughes, you, you probably had a great night. He's been given the captain C for the Vancouver Canucks. He's the first American to wear it for Vancouver. Very exciting. Did you did you text him, Tim? Uh, no, I want to give him some space. Maybe I'll do that today. Yeah, yeah. Give him a FaceTime call. That was, that was always fun. That was a big that thing. That can be what Jose. I do today. That's what I'll do today. There we go. The, the big thing in San Jose, which is what I really liked about that scene, we would FaceTime call all the time. Someone would be driving and then oh, it'd be like Joe Paps FaceTime. And then it'd be Al Salek. It'd be Jumbo. It, it was cool. It was, wasn't a phone call. It was always FaceTime. It was kind of neat. All right. Uh, another captaincy given away in Winnipeg. Adam Lowry gets to see. Very surprising. Not going to Josh Morrissey. I thought that was very telling. Or Andrew Kopp. Not Kopp. Sorry. Um, who's the goal scorer there? Shifley. Oh, no. um, Elias, Connor, Connor. Connor. Yeah. Kyle Connor, not Connor or uh, Morrissey. That that's very telling. I like it. Adam Lowry, third, fourth line guy does his job. Well-respected around the league and probably in the room. So good. I think that's a very good pick for Winnipeg kind of fits their, their MO in that town. Just really meat and potatoes. I think it's going to be a good pick. All right. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, 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 we're good. All right, everybody. We'll have a good Wednesday. We'll talk to everybody on Friday unless Tim gets sick or thinks he's getting sick or thinks he might get sick. Then we'll probably reschedule. But have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 